We got track news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got track news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? Hey, guess what? It's Soy Trek. I'm Captain Britain. I'm Pat. Uh, yeah, we're here. Uh, you're. Your uh, dumbest and worst source on Star Trek news for the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so what's happening in the Star Trek universe this week? Let's take a look. Looks like production is wrapped on Star Trek Discovery Season 5. Oh, boy. Yeah, according to this article in TrekMovie.com, fifth season of Star Trek Discovery has wrapped up production in Toronto. The 10-episode season began filming in early June this year. In addition to the shorter episode order of uh, to match the other Trek shows, having 10 instead of 13 episodes this season, mm-hmm. the new season promises to bring a shift in tone to the series that debuted in 2017. Uh, news of production wrapping came from a uh, visual effects supervisor, uh, Fausto Tajda, who called the work on season five a wild, productive, and innovative journey. Showrunner Michelle Paradise added her thanks. Uh, Paradise also sent out her own tweet calling season five, quote, the most ambitious yet, mm. which, what does that even mean? I don't know. I have a feeling just going to be exactly like every other season, mm-hmm. being personally. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. what, like, they haven't specified, have they really specified what the difference in tone is going to be? Um, I think we, we talked about it on Trek News like yeah. a month ago or something. Michelle Paradise said, uh, I think at New York City Comic Con, that it's going to be like, uh, different. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it sounded like more of the same. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, more like, yeah, dire consequences, a world or a universe threatening. A universe in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I could, I think that's just a thing they say to generate interest in it. And mm-hmm. when we watch it, it's like, oh, okay, it's exactly the same stuff. Yeah. So uh, the final days of production were done on Pixmondo's Toronto AR wall stage is an augmented reality sound stage, I guess, okay. uh, with production on the main Discovery CBS stages in Toronto wrapping earlier in the week. Some actors had already wrapped their work previously. Anthony Rapp revealed on social media <laughs> network Mastodon, he finished up his work on season five on November 11th. He described his work as, quote, another great experience sharing wonderfully joyous days of space talk and found family with my incredible cast and crew members. Uh, season five of Discovery will change things up from the usual galaxy-ending stake arcs that the show is known for. Uh, oh. Here's the official t- synopsis, according to Paramount. In season five, Captain Burnham and the crew of the USS Discovery uncover a mystery that sends them on an epic adventure across the galaxy to find an ancient power whose very existence has been deliberately hidden for centuries. But there are others on the hunt as well, dangerous foes who are desperate to claim the prize for themselves and will stop at nothing to get it. Okay, I mean... So it's like a great mystery, just like, you know, who blew up all the dilithium and yep. who are these things create, going to destroy Earth? And, uh-huh. and what's the what's the red angel? Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm glad this is a shift in tone from previous seasons. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So while uh, production and main filming has wrapped, there's still plenty of post-production work to be done to finalize the show. There are no details yet on when season five is going to debut, but if it's any indication from the past seasons it'll probably come out and i think what like uh, october oh wow i think it comes out and so, I, I don't so know was it march I don't, I don't even remember but we we expect it'll probably come out i don't know because yeah, it came out like before picard before right 
I think so. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting that it'll be maybe after Picard or maybe after the next season of Strange New Worlds. Hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the only thing we have in the future to look forward to, the only thing with a absolute date is Picard at this point. Mm-hmm. We can assume that most of the other shows will probably be airing you know, on a yearly basis around the month that they usually do. Just like um, every year, I think in September, since it started, Lower Decks has a new season. Yeah, so. shift shift every 10 weeks, like mm-hmm. be a new series coming out. Um, Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, because like, we know that Prodigy here, we're probably going to have like five weeks in between the end of Prodigy and the beginning of Picard. Mm, okay. So, you know, we'll figure out what to do with that time. We'll probably just, you know, watch all the TNG movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, well, four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and then also there's Captains. I've never seen that, the documentary. With the. I mean, there, there's lots of films that are, like, tangential that we could, like, get into. Captains, what they left behind. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love what they left there's behind. There's two uh, Trekkies documentaries that are mm-hmm. actually supposed to both be decent. And, of course, all the, um, all the YouTube Movies made. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> fan made movies. Uh, we have all the Star Trek porn movies mm. that would actually be very fun to watch and review. Oh yeah. Uh, then, uh, <laughs> then uh, we also have. Um, uh, what was I looking forward to? Uh, fuck. Um, oh, the the William Shatner paintball movie where they're all Star Trek teams. Oh yeah. That, that's got a, that, that would be an unhinged episode to do that. I would really like to do at some point. Yeah. Um. But uh, so Discovery Seasons 1 through 4 are currently streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus in the U.S. Uh, We'll also uh, stream exclusively on Paramount Plus in Italy, France, Germany, Switzerland, and Austria later this year. Mm. Um, If you live in any of those countries, would not recommend (laughs) you. I'm going through Season 3 right now, and uh, a lot of people say Season 3 and 4 are better than Season 1 and 2. So far, I'm not getting that. No, I, I definitely think one and two are probably the strongest seasons. Mm-hmm. Even though I I think the first season is actually the strongest, and two kind of just starts with the Red Angel stuff, which it, I hate. I, I didn't like <laughs> the Red Angel stuff, but they did a couple episodic episodes in season two that were really good. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you have the Pike there Pike too. Pike thing, yeah. And like and you know, uh, and um, uh, Spock. Yeah, and and they came out of there, and like they're they're both great, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in as much, I was actually looking at Trek News today and I stumbled on an article back from 2019 when there was actually a, a fan movement, uh, like not a letter writing campaign, so to speak, but, you know, like a hashtag social media campaign to get a Captain Pike standalone show because mm. everyone, because they were like, well, he's going to be leaving at the end of the season two and he's not coming back. And everyone was like, well, he needs his own show because he's the only good part of that show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank God, and that's yeah. why we have Strange New Worlds, which is, in my opinion, the best start new Star Trek now. Yeah. And I honestly, agree. like with its trajectory, is going to maybe go up there in some of the top Star Trek ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be like the main the main series along right. with like you know the- like I I can see it honestly being better than TNG as a whole mm. in the end. I can't yeah. see it being better than DS9 mm-hmm. because they just don't have interesting enough writers. Mm-hmm. They don't have a diversity of writers with interesting enough ideas, I don't think, to do that. They all kind of, you know, go after a very kind of militaristic, interesting, ethical quandary type. You know, they're not – the thing – the greatest strength of DS9 is, like, it had a ton of crazy, interesting writers, like, mm-hmm. with crazy, interesting ideas, just, like, pushing their own political ideas mm-hmm. and a bunch of, like – 
you know, like, a, you know, racial justice stuff, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And, but not in a way where it's like, uh, like ham fistedly getting like captured by ice. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like stopping an ice bus, but somehow not affecting the future at all. Mm-hmm. Like Star Trek Picard season two. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that was ham fisted and it like, you know, you're a vegan. I'm sure you didn't enjoy getting ham fisted. No, no, no. I don't look for putting ham in any of my orifices. No, including. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we'll see. Like, um, it had such a strong opening season. Like, I'm, I'm sure it'll evolve into other areas and see where it goes. Yeah, one would hope. I mean, it seems to have a good uh, production team behind it mm-hmm. and with really good ideas, a good writing team. Obviously, great actors. Uh, mm-hmm. You know the the show could really almost stand alone on the the strength of its the performances of its actors. I think. Yeah. Like obviously, like Peck, uh, uh, you know, Captain Pike doesn't carry the show, mm-hmm. Anson Mount, but he is like, I mean, he could if he yeah. needed to. He's he's a strong leading character. Yeah. But we love Anson Mount. Yeah, we do. We found out um, online this week on Twitter. <laughs> He's a wife guy. Wife guy. Wife guy. Yeah, he loves he, his wife. He what loves a his dork. wife so much. He loves his <laughs> wife and his kid. I think he tweeted out something like, "I have the most beautiful wife in the world." Yeah, and, and yeah, and all these cute videos of him feeding his ba- his newborn child. You know, pancakes. Like, what a dork that guy yeah, is. You know, like <laughs> everyone with a uterus like got wet from that though. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's definitely dad. And daddy material. And daddy material. Dad and daddy. Yeah. Curse him and his beautiful family. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, Anson Mount. (laughs) Fuck you and your perfect hairline. (laughs) Uh, Moving on in Trek news this week. uh, Star Trek Spirits is launching Romulan Ale, Whiskey, and Vodka. Oh, shit. So from the team behind uh, Star Trek Wines comes a new way to celebrate your fandom. Star Trek Spirits and not the kind that has sex with Dr. Crusher. <laughs> uh, they're going to kick things off with Romulan Ale in custom bottles to match the iconic drink first featured in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the mission of Star Trek Spirits is to create a new line of ultra-premium spirits worthy of the Star Trek universe, which hmm. is like, I mean, Discovery is worthy of the Star Season 2 of Picard is somehow worthy of the Star Trek universe, so they could literally rebottle fucking Mickey's and call it Rob the Nail, and I'd be like, I mean, better, it's better yeah, than Star Mad, Trek Picard. Do, do, just do Mad Dog. Just yeah, rebottle, Mad, Mad rebottle, Dog. Rebottle, rebottle the blue Mad Dog and call it <laughs> <laughs> uh, You would have no idea. What what flavor is the, the blue besides, um, pre, besides pre-vomit? Yeah, I don't even remember. I think I've only had like Mad Dog once, and I was just I like proto vomit. Just gave me the worst hangover I've ever had. Well, like one of the worst hangovers I've ever had, but it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> terrible, terrible for you. Um, so they plan to re- reimagine old classics from the franchise to produce a line of spirits quote focusing on authenticity, premium quality, and bespoke glass vessels. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, like dildos, right? <laughs> That's what they mean by that, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, that'd be cool. You could just like fill it up and then use it and, and like use it and then drink it out, drink mm-hmm. out of it afterwards. Oh, true. You could like take it to work and people would be like, what the fuck is that? And you'd be like, it's Romulan Ale from Star Trek. And they'd smash it on the floor and be like, fuck you, dork. Yeah. And be like, oh. Yeah, show up to, show up to work with a, with booze and drink it throughout the day. That's that, that'll definitely be good. I'm, I might have done that yeah. for quite a time in my life. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, you just show up with a thermos, and you well, know, yeah, no yeah, one knows what's in yeah, there. especially if you just put a bunch of whiskey in your very strong coffee. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that Irish cream creamer. It's, it smells good. <laughs> uh, so from its first appearance in Star Trek II, Romulan Ale has become legendary as a highly potent beverage of Romulan origin with its characteristic crystal blue color. Uh, it also had an aura of mystique due to being declared illegal by the Federation. However, Romulan Ale remained popular and has popped up throughout the franchise, mm-hmm. including Star Trek uh, six, where it gives everyone a terrible hangout. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Um, Star Trek Spirits offering will continue the tradition with limited edition releases of Romulan Ale Rye Whiskey and Romulan Ale Vodka, each in individually numbered bottles. According to mm. Star Trek Spirit, quote, from concept cork, bringing this classic part of Star Trek history alive has been an amazing journey. Uh, and here is how the new Romulan Ales are described by Star Trek Spirit. Mm. So, tasting notes on Romulan Ale Vodka. Here we go. Distilled from premium Midwest grain, Romulan Ale Vodka is produced in the Napa area, distilled four times in a stainless steel still to 190 to proof to ensure a clean distillation of only the heart of the vodka, then cut to 80 proof for bottling. Put together by a family of 13 generations of distillers, there are no trace or off notes or the smelling of rubbing alcohol that many vodkas suffer from. A carefully done distillation. A touch of corn sweetness with the higher notes of a plump smell of good wheat grain. Romulan Ale Blue Vodka has a fantastic electric blue appearance with no sentiment whatsoever. On swirling, it leaves a phenomenal blue coat on the inside of the glass with long, thin legs. Wonderful bright appearance. Unlike several other vodkas, this one is not highly filtered. So you have a great body and mouthfeel that would otherwise be lost. Mm. I bet it makes you shit purple. It probably does. Oh, yeah. it has to. <laughs> it has to. Yeah. What, uh, how much are they selling it for? Um, is it, it going to be affordable or like, uh, will it be worth getting? <laughs> take a guess. Like, uh, since it's a limited edition, mm-hmm. I'm going to guess like hundred dollars for vodka or the rye. Uh, around both. Like I'm going to guess. Yeah. About hundred bucks. Not a, not a bad guess. Um, so the rye, is selling for $85. Yeah. And the vodka is $75, but you can get both of them for $155. Might be worth checking out. Like, I don't know. It's like something you probably don't want to like drink too much of because I don't want to drink any of it because I don't drink alcohol. It's true. I don't put that American poison in my body. <laughs> I do. I don't put that fire water in my body. Like, I don't know. I'd probably buy it and probably not even open it. Yeah, probably. Or, you know, maybe. Open it, drink it all, take it to work, drink things out of it. (laughs) It's a cool bottle. It's true. I could just put it in a Gatorade bottle. Who would know? Or put like, you know, your (laughs) your, uh, My Little Pony figure in there and fill it up in a different way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I could do that. I mean, come in it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Or a Barclay figurine and fill that up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Barclay. (laughs) Shooting ropes inside the Romulan ale bottle. Oh, hell yeah, dog. Yeah. Well, are they? And I'm guessing like they're also having like um, distinctive um, bottles that they're putting in, right? Yeah, yeah. That mm. was uh, yeah. As as mentioned, uh, the, mm-hmm. one of their focuses was on uh, bespoke glass vessels. Uh, you know what? Mm, yeah, it might be worth it. You think so? Mm. Okay. Are they releasing? Are they releasing in time for the holidays? Um, perhaps. Yeah. All right, are you ready to move on? Moving on in Star Trek mm-hmm. news this week, 
Uh, Star Trek Picard Composer Season 3 previews a new familiar sound. So it says <laughs> in this article, Star Trek Composer Terry Metalis, but I don't think Terry Metalis is the composer of Star Trek Picard. Is he? I don't think he is. I think this journal, this journalist got it fucking wrong. Yeah, because Terry Metalis is the the show like the showrunner. Yeah. Well, that I mean, I check. would be very surprised if they actually compose music as well. Um, I, although the music fucking sucks on that show, so it it do be sucking. Like it's probably yeah, it's probably one of the worst. Let's see, composer. Jeff Russo and Frederick Wind Windman Weidman. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. I think Je- Jeff Russo did like basically all of the the themes for like all of the Star Treks, mm-hmm. the new Star Treks. Um, so whatever to him. Yeah, or right, let's see, music department. That's what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I. Yeah, there's no uh, Terry Metalis anywhere on this. Guess who fucking sucks at journalism? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna call this guy Alan Sec. Um, I mean, I, I saw. I mean, I, I didn't vet it, but I was pretty sure. So I just mm-hmm. actually wanted to cut it, call it out on here because mm-hmm. that's fucking uh, bad journalism. All right, published 28 minutes ago by Vic Mendia, Vic or Met, Met, Vic Medina from Giant Freaking Robot. Be ashamed of yourself, because. <laughs> You fucked up. Terry Metalis is not a composer. So Star Trek Picard showrunner, mm-hmm. sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Terry Metalis uh, took to Twitter on Thanksgiving and gave everyone a sneak listen at what he planned for the third season of the Next Generation spinoff starring Sir Patrick Stewart, Star Trek Picard. Fans were ecstatic to hear that the preview revealed Terry Metalis's intention to feature Jerry Goldsmith's theme from Star Trek First Contact. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Next Generation film released in 1996. Uh, the tweet included a video of a sound mixing board with the familiar strains of the main title playing. And uh, Matala said, a little family music from season three for your holiday. Hashtag Star Trek Picard. Needless to say, fans were ecstatic in responses to the video. Ever since Paramount announced that the third season of Star Trek Picard would finally reunite the entire surviving TNG crew with Patrick Stewart for a final adventure, fans have been eagerly anticipating the new season, which premieres February 16th, 2023. It's a really grim way to put it, the surviving members. I was going to say, like, <laughs> was it, has any of the main bridge crew died? I don't mm, think so. No. Yeah, I, I, I like read that and I'm like, what, is, what do you mean surviving members? They all serve. It's not TOS. They're not all half dead. Like they're not yeah. half dead. They're not all old people. Like the oldest person in that cast is, is Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Who is somehow still seems healthy. Yeah. He still seems. Yeah. They all seem really healthy. They're all really active. Yeah, like, absolutely. And even like fucking uh, freaks turned 70 this year and he's in great shape. Mm, that I guy. guess Pulaski died, but I mean, I wouldn't consider her a main. No. Who? Pulaski. Who? <laughs> I'm sorry, who? Who? Oh, Lady Bones. Oh, Lady Bones. Lady Bones. Got Lady Bones. Lady Bones. Okay. Yeah, but I can't imagine. I don't think anyone else has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very grim way to put it. Just like, just kind of reminding them of their mortality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, Metallus actually responded to several comments to his tweet and did provide more context. When a Twitter user asked if the music would be used with an appearance of the Enterprise E, Metallic confirmed it would not, but provided no additional context. 
So based on a new trailer released at the recent New York Comic Con, we know season three will star Amanda Plummer as Vatic, a new enemy seeking vengeance against Picard and the Federation, although we don't know her motives as of yet. Uh, we also see the return of Daniel Davis as Professor Moriarty, and Brent Spiner reprises his role as Lore, Data's evil twin brother, who was thought to have been deactivated and gone. However, he is back, and he is fat and old. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith's haunting and sentimental first contact theme is among his finest works ever. It says on here, that's, no, it's good, but it's not among his finest works ever. Mm. Like, it, it doesn't even come close to the majesty of fucking Star Trek the Motion Picture soundtrack. Yeah. And basically nothing does. And Jerry no. Goldsmith did a ton of soundtrack work. Mm -hmm. Like, first contact, really not nearly among his best. He did a lot more than just fucking Star Trek. Mm -hmm. um, he did fucking, I mean, he did Planet of the Apes. He did Alien. Mm. He did the soundtrack for Alien. Say what? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Poltergeist, Gremlins. Yeah, those are all more um, more uh, recognizable works than like the start than the first contact. Have, have you ever heard of a little movie called Mulan? Yeah. He did music for that. Let's get down to business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To defeat. So, the um, he also uh, did Final Frontier, Star Trek VI, um, mm. Insurrection, and Nemesis. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, which all had great scores. Yeah. It's just not great movies. No. Uh, Goldsmith earned 18 Academy Award nominations over his, weir, uh, um, over his career, winning only once for 76's The Omen, which is crazy. To mm. All right. Yeah, so uh, looking forward to that. I'm... Doubting they're going to use it as a main theme, but they really should because anything's better than the main theme to yeah. right Yeah, yeah, like revisiting that theme uh, when we reviewed uh, the Picard uh, episode. What was mm -hmm. it last week? The Ye week before? Yeah, I'm yeah. saying yes. Yes, um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah, it was like ugh, that theme is awful. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's just like unmemorable. It's 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 dumb. It's bad. It's eh. It's meh. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of Trek news coming out this week about a uh, friend of the show, Adam Savage, friend of mm. the pod, our best friend, actually. Mm. He came over for Thanksgiving yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our best friend, who you, we saw yesterday because mm -hmm. he came over. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... I know him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this article says, uh, Adam Savage explores Star Trek, USS Enterprise model, and busts myth of the next generation Enterprise C model. Mm. So, yeah, I saw something like that. I didn't watch the video, though. Yeah, yeah. so um, the original 11-foot-long filming model, the USS Enterprise from Star Trek, the original series, has been part of the Smithsonian Collection since 1974. In 2019, it was removed from display while the National Air and Space Museum was being renovated, returning to display last month. While it was being stored, Adam Savage of Mythbusters fame had a chance to visit and examine the model in detail. Savage also visited with another model going up for auction that was originally sold as the USS Enterprise C, but it turns out there's a little bit more to that story. Uh-oh. So, um, uh, this week, Adam Savage's tested channel on YouTube posted a 36-minute video where he gets a closer look at the original Enterprise model inside the Conver uh, conservation lab at the Smithsonian Museum. The tour was guided by Margaret Whitcap, Ph.D., the department chair of the space history for the Smithsonian. 
Savage's tour includes some close looks at the details on the model, as well as a look inside the model, including x-rays, which is pretty fucking sweet. Mm. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, Savage was in London for a prop store auction uh, of entertainment memorabilia that included another Star Trek filming model. This time it was the USS Yamaguchi Ambassador class from Star Trek TNG. Mm. Uh, the first ambassador class ship was the USS Enterprise C for the classic TNG episode yesterday's Enterprise. The model going up for auction earlier this month was originally identified as the Enterprise C model when it was sold at auction by CBS in 2006 for $48,000. Mm. However, as covered in uh, Savage's video, it was later revealed the original Enterprise Model C uh, showed too much battle damage from yesterday's Enterprise, and so a different model was used in later episodes as the USS Yamaguchi and USS Excalibur, even though the shipping crate from CBS still had its Enterprise C written on it. Mm. Interesting. Uh, the official auction listing offers a little more detail. It says, quote, a USS Yamaguchi and Excalibur light-up model miniature from sci-fi TV series Star Trek The Next Generation up for auction. This miniature of the Ambassador-class starship was built to serve as two Federation ships, including the USS Excalibur in Season 5 episode Redemption Part 2, and the USS Yamaguchi, which appeared in the first episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm. The saucer top is currently marked as USS Yamaguchi NCC 26510 and the rear of the model is still marked Excalibur. Mm. The model is the same design as the Enterprise C but was made from the same molds as the Enterprise C model but was ultimately not ever used as the Enterprise. The model ended up selling for how much do you think? I want to say six figures. Close-ish. Uh, $81,000. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little, a little less than I thought. Hmm. But that, that'd be so fucking cool to have a fucking original fucking Star Trek model. Yeah. <laughs> and those things are massive too. So it's just like take mm -hmm. up most of your house, most of your house. <laughs> yeah. Or most of your living room or something, wherever you put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where would you hang it? Here? Yeah. Where, yeah. If you had it. <laughs> I, I, I'd just put it in my extra room probably. I just have oh, a yeah. Star Trek ship room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just go and commune with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe have like a shrine or something. Yeah. Maybe I, I, you know, maybe somehow work it into the whole theater setup I have. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's too big. It's yeah. too big. I don't have the room, you know? Yeah. It'd be so cool to have that as like a, instead of like a chandelier in your house. Oh, yeah. It fucks so hard. Yeah, I guess like, it would be cool if you had like a really large house with high ceilings and you could just hang it from the ceiling. Yeah. People it'd, could walk it'd under it. It would be neat to be rich. Right? It would be neat to, neat to be rich. Neat to be rich. <laughs> Except for like the whole like getting... To be rich is most of the time you have to exploit something to mm -hmm. be rich, which sucks. Yeah, our current day system just be a grifter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on the get on the grifts. So, someone someone accused me on Reddit, of, I don't know, a month or two ago of being a grifter for for having a Star Trek podcast and making Star Trek merch, and I'm like. I don't How is think that a you, grift? I don't think you understand what grifting is. Yeah, a grift would be if you were like misleading someone into like some sort of like using some you know ideology to mis you know just like right. It would be like the you know like liver king selling was, the livers or some it was, shit. It was in context to uh like so someone like mentioned or I mentioned or something something about merch and someone's like oh a communist with a merch store I'm like. Okay, I I'm yeah. I'm not even gonna respond because it's like 
if and and it got like upvoted on Reddit. You know, it was like, and I'm just like, okay, if if people are dumb enough to upvote that, like me actually coming in with common sense and actual like the definitions of shit, it's mm-hmm. not going to help because no. these people are fucking dumb. Yeah. Yeah, it's like um, yeah, like like uh, commerce can't exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and and I I just want to be like, oh yeah, because like that's definitely the least communist thing you can possibly do is like own your own means of production mm-hmm. and violate in, violate intellectual property laws of a giant corporation <laughs> in order to make money for yourself mm-hmm. based on you know a fandom that you have mm-hmm. and actual like incredibly hard work that you know we put into all of this. Yeah. That's definitely a grift. <laughs> it's a grift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Selling, you know, yeah. Selling. It'd, be, it'd be if you're selling like brain pills or some shit. Yeah, I'm like, like if selling if, $50 of merchandise that I make myself yeah. and I ship myself and I design myself yeah. here in my home office. Like you're not, you're not taking like sugar pills and putting, making Star Trek brain, brain power pills and yeah. selling this or something. Um, like it, since you believe in Star Trek, you need to take fucking brain power plus. Yeah. And, like, ha- and, and then having like an exploited workforce, putting them from like, <laughs> from like the sugar pills into like your own like little things. Yeah. We're a grift dog. We're grift. We're grift. Grifting. We're grifting. Grifting hard. Yeah. Brother. I think, yeah, I saw Cody Johnson like tweet. I was on my way here, like, mm. uh, you know, have a subscription service to like a, a, a woke anti-woke, uh, laundry detergent. It's <laughs> <You know>, just <laughs> like, that would be a grift, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. A, but that's, a, those are really effective grifts. Just like uh-huh. taking something like, you know, like a coffee company and be like, this is the only non-woke coffee company yeah, like in Black, existence. The Black Rifle Coffee Company, they, they made an entire business out of dog whistling your conservative dog shit beliefs. <laughs> By drinking a specific brand of coffee, which is like, I mean, it's not that much different, let's be honest, than Starbucks. Like Starbucks basically is touted themselves as the PMC, the professional managerial class coffee company for the last 30 years. And they are, and they also have like, uh, Starbucks does have a um, contract with um, the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. Like Starbucks exists on on military bosses, but they're called uh, green beans. Really? I didn't know that. That's funny as hell. That's Starbucks. Green beans, you say? Yeah. <laughs> wow. But yeah, it, I I remember one time when I was working at um when I worked at the steel mill, there was like one guy like that's how, when I, I first heard of um Black Rifle Coffee Company. He was just like, yeah, they're great. They're not like you know they're not some fucking liberals selling coffee. They, they you know, yeah. and then just and he was talking it up, and it's just it's so it's a, it's effective merchandising. It really it is. is. It's like it's oh. such an effective grift. And I'm God, like, let, let's let's just fucking grift on that and be yeah. like, yeah, we're the only. Uh, we're the only coffee company approved by DSA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. R- Rose emoji coffee. <laughs> no, I, but I do think like having the right wing grift is more, way more effective because those people are just so desperate to support any business. So I think we should no, have. No, I no, think no, we no, should... no, 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 dog, dog, <laughs> dog. No, 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 no. Liberals are just, you know, mm-hmm. if we started like fucking uh, Ukraine flag coffee company yeah. and just called it Ukraine flag. It did, didn't say we're going to give money to Ukraine or anything like that. You know, people just buy that shit. Oh, yes. But just just say percentage of profits go to support Ukraine. And then, but yeah. then yeah. just find like some Ukrainian guy to give it to. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. give, oh, him, yeah. give him a dollar out of every, bur- <laughs> yeah, out of just, every purchase. Yeah, just say like, yeah, fucking, uh, yeah, pr- all profits go to uh, help Ukrainians in need. <laughs> and then just, yeah, just, yeah. That'd be, yeah, we could definitely griff that. Yeah. Let's talk about that later. Let's not give anyone ideas. Yeah, yeah. And these are, these are our griffs. <laughs> buy, 
by Ukraine flag coffee. By Ukraine flag coffee. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> proceeds. Percentage of proceeds. I like that. Yeah. Pro, a percentage of proceeds. A percentage of proceeds. It doesn't have to say how much. You just, know, it yeah. can just be like a cent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so continuing on in Adam Savage news this week. Mm. Uh, online bidding for a Star Trek Picard auction uh, began last week, uh, and we talked about it we, mm-hmm. already, uh, with final bids due over the next three to five days. Uh, there are over 300 pieces from the first two seasons going up on the auction block, and a new video featuring none other than Adam Savage oh, highlights boy. the detail in these props and costumes. Um, there are a number of Starfleet uniforms up for auction which don't come with their own batch. Since background costumes usually are worn with cheaper resin badges, Prop Store, uh, the auction holder, worked with the Picard team to create new metal badge replicas from the original molds to go with the costumes being sold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, we're actually going to take a look into the Picard auction again. Oh, uh, boy. It's, it's coming down to the wire. We've got like three days left, I think, on everything. So by the time you listen to this, I think it might be the last day. Mm. If you just download it. And, uh, yeah, if you want to spend a whole bunch of money on props from a TV show that's not even that great. <laughs> hey, according to you. Yeah. According to Terry Metalis. These are, these are these are things that are just going to increase in value when you once you get them, and not just be like a, be like something that is <laughs> a complete waste of money. All right. So as of last week, uh, our top items were. Uh, Number one was lot 102, seven of nines light up phaser rifle, which was going mm-hmm. for uh, $5,500. Yeah, that's wild. Uh-huh. Uh, number two at that time was lot number one, which is, le- which is Leonard Nimoy's personal contacts, uh, 645 camera equipment with photos from the collection of Leonard Nimoy. Uh, and that was going for $5,000. And then the third... Uh, highest bid uh, was the lot number 22 data Brent Spiner's daughter uh, with back turned hand painted framed painting, mm. uh, which we talked about. And uh, that was going for $4,500 at the time. Uh, what do you think are the top items now? Do you think any of those are still at the top? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Two of those are still at the top, hmm. uh, but a new, a new challenger has appeared. A new top item has appeared Uh-oh. and that is going to be lot number 48. Jean-Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart's Federation case and Starfleet comm badge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so going, that was the one that you actually wore in the show? I guess so. Uh, mm. Going for uh, currently $8,500. $8,500? $8,500. Mm. Uh, wow. Dropping to second place from first place is lot number 102, Seven of Nines light-up phaser rifle, uh, which is increased in price to $7,500. Damn. Um, yeah, so... That's still uh, pretty pricey. And then lot number 22, the painting um, mm-hmm. of daughter or whatever, uh, is number three now, uh, up 1500 bucks. It's $6,000. With three, All of these have a little over three and a half days left to go. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly, Leonard Nimoy's camera equipment dropped to sixth place. That's insane. I like, know. That should be the only thing that's like getting <laughs> yeah. up super high. Like That's something owned by a dead guy who was... Mm-hmm. Who was Star Trek? Yeah, who who was Star Trek for over sixty years? Yeah, the- and 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 uh, and it's his personal f- f- photographs and camera that he used. It's like, look at this photograph. Yeah, yeah I can um, see that the only I can see that being the actually the only thing that has any sort of like you know appreciates in value mm-hmm. once you buy it. 
yeah. because I I don't I mean I don't know I don't see like like uh stuff like the Picard um memorabilia having any sort of lasting power like maybe. you're not gonna you're not gonna eventually resell that for a higher price the, the only thing i could maybe see is something like super rare like the chateau picard type stuff yeah that actually has some like crossover into some other series and stuff like that mm-hmm. um yeah yeah you're but you're gonna buy like the seven of nine laser rifle and then like you know 10 20 years down the line you're gonna be like that's seven of nine's laser rifle and people are like who cares <laughs> I mean, people be like that now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people are like that now, yeah. and then it's just like, yeah, just, and then later trying to uh, uh, unload that, you know, if you want to make any sort of profit on it, because I don't like, what are you going to do with it after you buy it, you know? Come on it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's just you like, know, you know, you know, like there's at least one guy in these twenty eight bids for seven of nine's light up phaser rifle that just like wants it so to he lick can it lick clean. it. Yeah, so he can lick it. Yeah, because like, what is this going to be? Like a family heirloom you pass down from family to family? Like, none, no, of, the, just none, like, none yeah. of the people bidding on these have had sex, <laughs> much less have families, yeah. all right? Yeah, they'll, they'll leave it to their nieces and nephews, and they're just yeah. going to be like, oh, your creepy uncle left you this uh, this uh, laser rifle, and be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just going to like... What just for? <laughs> I mean, they're just, yeah, going to use it in their fucking Halo cosplay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and... And then I'll just end up in their garage and just like collect dust and when it's eventually just thrown out in the garbage. Yeah. Do you have any fandoms that you like were used to be super into that you completely abandoned? <laughs> you know what's well, not not definitely about it. I did try to buy some um I did try to take part in a um in a series auction one time. What's that? Uh Danger Five. Danger Oh yeah, Danger Five was great. I love Danger Five. But, I mean no one remembers it. No, but it's, it's still great. It's sick. Like I was trying to buy like one of the um, VHS tapes that were used in the Ooh, that's in, season, fun. in season two. Yeah, but I got yeah. too much money. I was really broke, so I was just like, I can't justify spending sixty dollars on this. It's like, <laughs> like f- I was really broke. Food, the VHS tape. <laughs> yeah. Food, the VHS. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. No. And also, all the good stuff had already been sold for a much higher stu- price. Like like the like a lot of the puppets and um and masks and stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, fuck. But yeah, for for. Series that I've abandoned. I mean, I don't know. There's probably a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. How about you? Had anything that you were super into that you... I'm going to go with Manowar. Oh, yeah. The band Manowar. I used to be, like, really into Manowar. Mm-hmm. And now I I listen to Manowar occasionally mm-hmm. for a laugh. And I think Manowar is funny. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think... They are very like, ridiculous. I don't think they're, like, cool. Except in, uh, like, <laughs> that. that's... that's that's cool. Kind of why, like, <laughs> yeah. that's so dumb. It's kind of fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, they're silly. Uh, I've, I've still have. I still burn a torch for uh, Guar. Like, a uh, Guar just recently came out with a really good documentary. Oh yeah, I heard. I heard yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. I, I liked it. There was a lot of information I didn't even know that was in there. I was like, oh cool. And I'm, I thought it was, you know, number one Guar fan. But mm-hmm. I was still, it was, a, it was a really good documentary. If you check it out. I think it's uh, this is Guar. Indeed. All right, our last. <laughs> Uh, news item today, Trek news item at least, is uh, going to be a little article about our lovable friend from Star Trek Prodigy, Murph. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this article is um, an interview with D. Bradley Baker, who mm-hmm. is uh, Murph's voice actor. Yeah, veteran voice actor. He's been mm-hmm. working. He's been a ton of stuff. And he does, mm-hmm. uh, like, he's he's so much more, especially in Prodigy, than Murph's voice actor. Like, he's basically half of the voices on that show mm-hmm. that aren't, like, named characters. Yeah. Like, basically, if you see, like, any one-off characters, like, there's a f- almost a 50% chance D. Bradley Baker has voiced them. Because mm-hmm. he's, like, 
He's a man of many, many voices. Yeah. That's what I love about voice actors is they're so versatile and they're just like, they're just hard workers. Well, yeah. And that's what I love about voice actors. And that's what I hate about Hollywood hiring mm-hmm. celebrity vo- celebrities, celebrities to voice act who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. It, like for like, why would you drop a million dollars on like a fucking Chris Pratt <laughs> when you could get like a Billy West for a quarter of the cost and he could sound exactly like Chris Pratt wants to sound. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and also they have the, um, the, um, the original Mario, uh, voice actor also in the movie, but he's playing a different character. My God, but he, but, how stupid are they? <laughs> but he's, and he's like, the, he's like the most iconic you know, Mario voice actor that, that that's alive. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Just no, like, he's, his voice is imprinted onto a, a, two generations brains. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, talking about this article here, the lovable blob Murph has been a fan favorite character even before the debut of star Trek prodigy. The hype around the metamorphosis evolution of the <laughs> character began earlier this year, but was finally revealed in last week's episode crossroads. Now voice actor D. Bradley Baker is revealing more of what to expect from the alien recently identified as a melanoid slime worm. Uh, the big change for Murph as he emerged from the cocoon was the development of arms and legs, uh, which I understand your girlfriend hates. Yes. Bummer. I think it's fine. I think they're cool. Yeah. Like he's, I, he's, I, he's still cute as hell. Yeah, he's a, he's a little dude. Mm-hmm. He's a little yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's a little guy. <laughs> he's a little guy. I, I love a little guy. Yeah. So in an interview with StarTrek.com, D. Bradley Baker explained how this change impacts his performance, saying, quote, Murph wasn't really human in any aspect of its appearance other than the eyes and the mouth, apparently. Uh, But now that it can move around, it's a bit of a linguistic upgrade as well. There's an an evolution that's happening. There's a revealing of a metamorphosis or metamorphosis. Mm. It's interesting to see that, as with a child, with the growth and the expansion of the development of the limbs, the body, the head, the feet, and the ambulatory abilities comes an upgrade with language, and an upgrade and a change in the capacity to problem-solve and to engage and to communicate. Mm. Baker previewed uh, some of what is to come from him and Murph, saying, I bend the vocals and evolve the vocals as the writers and directors develop the unfolding of what Murph is to be. There's clearly something that's going to be played out. Uh, the voice actor also offered some insight into what he puts into Murph's vocalization, saying, quote, he's almost like a puppy or this happy little child that is always optimistic and open in an improvisational way. Clearly, Murph's aware and engaged with what they're dealing with because he's often helping to solve the matter at hand, although it seems like he's just kind of oblivious and just kind of babbling in a happy way. But there's more involved here, and he seems to be more connected. Uh, Paramount Plus also released a new video uh, featuring science advisor Dr. Aaron McDonald talking about the real science behind metamorphosis, which is like a weird way for them to just throw their money at somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do you uh, what, what do you think of Murph? Uh, I like it. I think I definitely see his metamorphosis eventually leading somewhere. Because what? Meta- metamorphosis Thank leading you. somewhere. Like, because uh, I, I I'm wondering if if like. He is like evolving to be more like the people he's around. Uh-huh. I wonder if that's a. I wonder if that's a quality of of the um of his species. Like uh-huh. um he's just he's just like uh, observing those around him, and he's trying to, and then like, and his body 
Yeah. Like, like his species is probably very um, adaptive. It's interesting they haven't really mentioned anything about melanoid slime worms because we yeah. assume they have like lots of information on them, right? Yeah. But they haven't talked about them at all. Like they, mm-hmm. they for some reason don't know what to expect out of Murph and his evolution or yeah. Murphysis at all. Yeah, and that's the thing. Also, like you know, they obviously live can live in very harsh conditions where like mm-hmm. their form probably isn't that important. So they're pro- yeah. So he's I feel more. Like they can live in any condition. So he's more. He was more amorphous. Eventually, uh, and like, and so, like, all their species are very amorphous, and so now that he's lives and and uh, on a spaceship, like his, he's just adapting to his new surroundings. Like, he doesn't need to, like, he's in a more contained, controlled environment, and can has more um, ability to uh, to uh, adapt to that area instead. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, he needs arms and legs and stuff like that. Yeah, you know what he really needs that Mm -hmm. I don't think they gave him with his metamorphosis is um, a dong. Yeah, he could have used a Cause, dick. Because they've definitely, like, gendered him at this point. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, Murph's a boy. Even though, I don't know how they figured that one out. It could just be, like, you know, it emerges when he's aroused, like, it, like a slit, from a slit. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Or, like, he becomes the penis. Like, he, oh, his, whole, yeah. his whole body morphs into it. Or kind of how I imagine, like, Odo operated. Because, you know, Odo was kind of, like, always nude in a way. Like he just created the illusion of clothes. That's true. And so, like, and so, like, do you think? Do you think his uniform was his dick? Could have been. I mean, everywhere could have been his dick. That's like true. That's true. He's like, like, so don't don't touch me. I'm extra sensitive at all times. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah. I mean, Murph could just be like, just a big like, old sloppy penis. Big old sloppy penis. But also, I think he's. Sp- I think he's space penis. I think he's still a baby, a babyish. So I'm. Oh, uh, so I don't think he's like you know that way right now. But like, you don't. Uh, you don't think we should see his dong yet? No. And but I'm wondering if he maybe, will. Maybe season two. Mm-hmm. And I do think he's. They're implying that he will eventually develop the ability, um, the the ability to speak. But will he develop the ability to fuck? Oh, absolutely. Good. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna get real nasty. Yeah. It's gonna smell just as bad when he came out of the cocoon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Star Trek prostate G. <laughs> Prostate G spot. You know what? Yeah. You know, yeah. we will write write it for you. Yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. Whatever brothers who make that show. <laughs> I think we're just being put on a list right now. <sighs> We've been on that list, man. <laughs> the list of the coolest Star Trek podcasts of all time, motherfucker. People right. that they're just going to take out and shoot in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't blame them. No. I, we don't blame you. If no. you're planning on executing us. Maybe good idea. <laughs> Better sooner than later. That's yeah. all I can say. Take away the pain. <laughs> Just let me have a, have a nice long sleep. Just mm-hmm. let me sleep. Take, take, take the long sleep in the woods. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I can tend the rabbits. <laughs> it's okay, Lenny. <laughs> um, so uh, that's all of our Trek news for the week. So cool. we have a uh, we have a reading series this week because we're oh, going shit. through every week. Um, so we took this one uh, from ScreenRant.com. This one was published three days ago by a fella named Dusty Stowe. Sorry, it could be a girl, but it's definitely a fella because of the content of this article. It's definitely a fella. Yeah, what, what was that one wrestler's name? Dusty Dusty D- Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, his son Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. The Natural still wrestling, and Cody Rhodes also still wrestling. Oh, really? I didn't know about I didn't know about Cody. Yeah, Cody's back in the WWE actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, but injured currently, I think. But you know, hmm. still doing still doing real good. 
Doing real good. <laughs> this article says, Dusty Stowe publishes three days ago, Riker versus Spock. Who is Star Trek's best first officer? Initial impressions. Oh, that's hard. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, they both they both have different styles. I mean, it's hard to compare them. Mm-hmm. Like I would, you know. Uh, <sighs> Let's jump into this article then. Yeah. Spock and Will Riker are two beloved characters in Star Trek, but only one of them is the ultimate Starfleet officer. Lieutenant Commander Spock served as James T. Kirk's first officer for three seasons on Star Trek, the original series, while Commander William Riker was Captain Jean-Luc Picard's number one for seven seasons on Star Trek The Next Generation. Wasn't wasn't Spock just the science officer and the de facto first officer? I think they just, I I just think it was just like one thing. I think, it, yeah, I don't, did they ever actually call him first officer though? Cause they called number one, number one in first officer mm. when she was there as Majel Barrett in the first episode. Yeah. But then Spock is the de facto first officer. I don't know if they, he ever calls him number one or first officer. I think it's just the science officer who's the de facto first officer, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. I just can't recall any specific mm-hmm. re- references. So. Uh, Riker would also serve as Picard's first officer in the four subsequent TNG films, while Spock largely played slightly different roles in the six TOS films. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's an important distinction that must be made here. This is not a matter of whether Will Riker or Spock is a more significant character in the Star Trek franchise. A fair argument can be made that Spock is the most important Star Trek character. Yeah. Uh, leaving a mark on virtually every era of the franchise. A huge swath of Star Trek simply doesn't work without Spock at its heart. True. Yeah. However, when it actually comes down to performing the job of first officer aboard a Federation ship, Will Riker has Spock beat, according to the writer. Um, Why Will Riker is a better leader than Spock? Spock is unquestionably a scientific genius. He pulled double duty as both the Enterprise's first officer and science officer, and along with Dr. Bones McCoy, was one of Captain Kirk's most trusted confidants. Mm -hmm. But the half-human, half-Vulcan officer often came across as cold and standoffish to his mostly human crew. He was a capable leader in Kirk's absence, but he rarely inspired his fellow crewmates. I don't. Uh, his lack of human and social graces and disinterest in fostering warm relationships made his prospects as a long-term leader shaky at best. Really? Mm. He was a leader in a lot of ways. Like, he was. He, he did serve as a mentor to like yeah. a bunch of other people, and an am- ambassador for years. Yeah, like oh, I was going to mention the ambassador part, but I don't think they're including the ambassador part. I think they're just including the part as his as being first officer. Yeah. Um, so continuing here, uh, conversely, Will Riker simply oozed charisma known for his warm, dynamic personality. Riker was close friends with enterprise D's entire senior staff, except for uh, Wesley Crusher with the often <laughs> distance, uh, captain Picard, eventually considering him something akin to a brother. I don't know about yeah, but I can see that he, he actually has a brother because I can. But he say, hates because uh, Riker was sort of like the social buffer for Picard because Picard. True. He was Picard. You know, wanted to have like sort of that. You know, that mm. distance from you know, uh, from 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 his crew and whereas Kirk and Spock played almost the exact opposite roles, which mm-hmm. also worked just fine. Yeah, Kirk was a lot more personable with the rest of his crew, whereas Spock was more of the information guy, mm-hmm. guy thinking behind the scenes and doing that kind of work. So, yeah, I don't know. I think they both served perfectly. You know, yeah, 
in relation to the person they were serving. Yeah. So. And also, once again, Spock's pulling a double duty here. Yeah. Riker's only got one job and it's not mm-hmm. checking sensors at all. He just <laughs> hangs out and like follows the captain's command. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's also like the, you know, m- m- like first to go down, you know, does the landing party stuff and also the first to go down whenever he meets a new alien. Oh yeah, he's definitely the first to go down. He he, he instantly goes to mouth stuff first thing. I do too. Yeah. I mean it's it's the Riker way. It's the, like, <laughs> the that's the real Riker maneuver. It is. It's like you start with foreplay but like if if you just are like let me eat it and this, <laughs> they're like what they're like yeah yeah I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make you come right now before anything else happens mm-hmm. like, that's the Riker way <laughs> that's the Riker way because you know Riker knows he's not always gonna perform a hundred percent and so he's like you know what I'm gonna make it up and make it a hundred percent before it even begins yeah I can see yeah Riker he he's definitely like he he loves building that rapport yeah and so how do you build rapport. Mouth stuff. Mouth stuff. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah, I could I could see their argument for uh Riker being the better first officer. Like it makes sense. Like he I def- yeah. I think he definitely filled that role, but Author continues here. Beyond simple likability, Riker was a bold and decisive leader, confidently taking command of the Enterprise D and Enterprise E on several occasions, most notably in the classic TNG two parter, the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he both saved Picard and Earth from an all-out assault by the Borg. Unsurprisingly, Riker was offered his own command several times over the years, eventually accepting command of the USS Titan Mm -hmm. at the conclusion of Star Trek Nemesis. While the modern Star Trek shows like Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Lower Decks have established Jean-Luc Picard as a Starfleet legend, they've also gone out of their way to bestow the same level of prestige on William Riker. Riker was so well-respected by the Star Trek Picard era that he was allowed to come out of semi-retirement to command a massive Federation armada to assist Picard and his ragtag crew against a Romulan fleet in the season finale. Now, I don't know why he's including this here, because it's not like... I mean, Spock was way more prominent than Will Riker yeah. in the Federation. Like, there's that's inarguable. Like, the highest Will Riker ever got was Captain. Mm-hmm. He never even made Admiral, whereas Spock is literally the liaison between Vulcan's and Earth for years. Yeah, he's the one who basically um, curbed like a full out war with the Romulans. Yeah, and like and so and uh, yeah. Although Will Riker did, to his credit, save Earth from the Borg. Yeah, like and so he he you know, but you know, without both of them, without both Spock and Will Riker, Earth mm-hmm. is doomed. Like they're yeah. both fucking heroes. Totally agree with that. But mm-hmm. Spock, you, I don't know why he puts in this article that like. Will Riker's a Starfleet legend. Yeah, great. Spock is a Federation <laughs> legend. Yeah. He goes beyond Starfleet. Mm-hmm. He's not just, you know, he, yeah, he's known everywhere. He's a, He is a living legend. Yeah. So I don't know about that, but <laughs> continues, uh, last paragraph here. Star Trek Lower Decks has been, uh, has taken the Riker love even further with young ensigns like Brad Boimler and Beckett Mariner idolizing the swashbuckling Riker over the stuffier Picard. Riker himself even appeared in two episodes of the series, joyfully commanding the Titan and charming the pants off of the Cerritos. Will Riker may not be a foundational Star Trek character like Spock, but when it comes to doing the job of the first officer, there's simply no buddy better. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's nobody better. He's, he's good, but yeah. also, point to make here. Mm. Once again, he is perfect in relation to his captain. 
Mm-hmm. He is a great first officer mm-hmm. to Picard. You see any sort of change of command, and he suddenly becomes a not very good first officer. Like Jellico. Like motherfucking Edward <laughs> Jellico, my friend. Mm-hmm. He immediately became a bad, destructive, self-destructive yeah. first officer. Like Jellico comes in and is like, I want things my way. I'm the captain now. And fucking Riker is like, you're doing it wrong. And he's like, no, trust me, I'm doing it right. And in the end, Jellico is a hundred percent vindicated. And you know what? And that's true. We've seen, and we see that um, Spock has worked with multiple captains. Absolutely. Spock works well with everybody. Yeah. And so, you know what? That's logical. Yeah. It's, it's entirely logical. Spock mm-hmm. is the man and like Spock is more prominent. And so I and also Spock has been talked into and uh, Spock talked into, uh, into um, um, breaking the, um, the prime directive mm-hmm. multiple times by Kirk. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> just because it's like because he's ride or die for Kirk. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, yeah, I was yeah, I was also gonna say like, uh, Kirk also trusts Spock more than Picard trusts Riker. Hmm. I mean, Kirk literally trusts him with his life. They go camping together, mm-hmm. like fucking. They have Picard, sex. Yeah, Picard. <laughs> Picard. Picard fr- does not fraternize with Riker outside of work. No, no, they don't because he knows he can't handle that kind of lifestyle. Because mm-hmm. he knows Riker's just going to be like, let's go to Risa and find the wettest, sloppiest holes. So no, like, they I, were I, going I, to double team Minuet. I, I just want to read my book. <laughs> there was that point where they were that, going to double true. team Minuet. But, but, you know, it's like. <laughs> that what, was the horniest they ever got together. Like, <laughs> what happens on the holodeck stays, stays on the holodeck. holodeck. Yeah. Especially like, at the jazz club. You yeah. Know, it's kind of like they're leaving their badge and, and gun outside the holodeck and just being like, <laughs> like all right, it's anything goes. They're just putting yeah, and doing the masks episode, you know, just like putting on. It's like, <laughs> you know, Captain, uh, blondes and jazz don't mix, but maybe <laughs> our cum will <laughs> inside of her. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. They will mix inside of her. <laughs> they will. Yeah. Just run a train on that. Damn. <laughs> In a New York minuet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, uh, that's our, all of our Trek news for the week. You cool. got anything else to say? No, I'm good. Cool. Um, I don't even have a joke for the end of this. Hmm. Oh, um, what did, uh, um, what did COVID do to Jesus? I don't know what. Nothing. <laughs> That's an inside joke. No one knows it. No one knows it. <laughs>